You're listening to Action Line. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me today is City Manager Rory Watt. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me in, Jordan. Sounds good. Now, the first thing I've got on my mind, and I'm sure everyone else does, is it's snowing today. So I want to talk to you about snow plows. Because I have a problem. <laughs> Let me guess. You don't like getting a berm across your driveway. That is exactly the problem I'm having. <laughs> <laughs> it's that a, it is that time of year. Uh, nobody likes it. Um, and whether you live on a city street or a DOT road, it's just kind of a fact of life. Um, when we plow the roads, we just don't have the time or the resources to plow out everybody's driveway. Um, if people wanted to pay a lot more property tax or, or sales tax, you know, we could give you that... Uh, uh, silver service, but uh, I don't think people want that. Yeah, nobody likes paying more in taxes, so I'll just have to contain my frustrations and just remove the berm myself. But other than snowplows, what else is going on that's pretty big with the city right now? Oh, a lot. So we're gearing up for the budget process. So uh, every time this year, we, uh, you know, we start the municipal budget, which has to be completed by June. Uh, so lots of pieces of that are out in public. And, and starting uh, April 1st, we'll introduce uh, what's called the manager's budget. And the assembly has to um, approve or edit and change it uh, in the, the months between uh, April 1st and, and June 15th. Uh, so a lot about the budget right now. Lots of big budgetary issues that we're grappling with. Gotcha. And then I know the big, I mean, the big thing I would think of, at least in relation to the budget, is how is it looking in terms of, you know, obviously summer's coming up, we're going to have all those cruise ships coming in. So how's it looking with the budget in terms of that sort of aspect of it? Yeah. So, so like big picture, um, uh, we'll just start with the budget and then we'll kind of pivot to tourism. But, um, you know, our costs are up across the board, like everybody from inflation. So whether that's fuel uh, or wages or prices of commodities or construction contracting or whatever. I mean, prices on everything are up. Um, so, so that means our costs are up. Um, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of uh, growth in uh, home sale prices, and those have kind of flattened out. So I'm expecting uh, property tax to be up, but not as much, or property tax collection to, uh, to be up, but not as much as in prior years. Um, but I will tell you that um, inflation drives um, our sales tax collection. So when you go to the grocery store or the gas pump, uh, you know, and prices are up there, that means our sales tax collection is up. So it's a, re it's a real mixed bag uh, on, on uh, the municipal budget and inflation. And a lot of moving parts trying to figure that out. Um, and as you noted, this summer, uh, we have a pretty uh, robust number of uh, cruise ship visitors scheduled visits. So we're going to be uh, just shy of uh, 1.7 million um, which will be a record. Uh, you know, our previous record is about 1.3 million. So it's a, it's a record, not by a little bit. Most definitely. I mean, it's, I think that for me, the funniest thing is always whenever I even hear a number over 1 million, especially having grown up here, my brain gets a bit confused because I'm so used to, you know, only talking or thinking about, you know, population, even visitors or folks coming in as in, you know, we're only kind of talking a couple hundred thousand and not, you know, a million plus people or even a million plus in fees or anything like that. Yeah. So it's, 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 you know, 1.7 million. It's just a number, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, so what you really have to figure out is what does it mean? 
Um, we're seeing growth <clears throat> in the shoulder season. So we're seeing a few more people coming early and a few more people uh, coming late. Uh, so ships uh, are changing their schedule. So, you know, that's one thing. Uh, on our busiest days, on, you know, on a Tuesday in June or July, you know, the port is plugged. So you're probably not going to see much change on those busy days. Um, we're probably going to see, uh, you know, the quieter days of the week be a little bit busier as well. So it, it remains to be seen to me, you know, how the community reacts and, and whether, um, you know, whether people get a little more frustrated or if it's just kind of an incremental change. We'll just, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, I think, I think Juno Public uh, tends to focus on tourism two ways. You know, one is if they come downtown and they either like it or they don't like it, you know, or if they have to drive through downtown, that's one thing. Um, but the other, the other way is tours. Um, so, you know, tours are out and about in the community, um, and sometimes those tours are at, uh, you know, our local recreation sites. So increases on in tours can rub people the wrong way. So it's, I think it's going to be a big summer for us and uh, really interesting on lots of fronts, and I'm not sure how the community is going to react. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember from the various times I've lived down here, even even now, the big thing has always been downtown is, frankly, it's quite miserable trying to get through there when you have a lot of tourists and people coming off the cruise ships. And it's just become such a pain. And so I would always stick to being out in the valley. So it almost makes me wonder that if we try to maybe have more tourists sort of split their time, like go out to the valley, go see nature stuff, but also see downtown stuff, maybe that would help mitigate that. But that's sort of just a thought that I've always had about it. Well, we put we poll the public regularly on what they think and you know what they feel, so we can try and figure out how to manage issues. And you know, it's kind of split. Some people think better to concentrate uh, the impacts of tourism, and some people think spread it out. Um, you know, and it's it's just a really just depends on your opinion. Certainly, uh, a lot of people are concentrated at the Mendenhall Glacier Visitor Center. You know, I think the better part of seven hundred thousand people go there a year. Uh, and certainly the downtown commercial area, uh, it's concentrated, um, you know, and and it comes with uh, pros and cons. So, yeah, it's congested and, yeah, it's hard to walk through uh, or drive through downtown, um, but it does bring a significant amount of revenue and employment to the community. Um, and there are shops that are open that would not be open otherwise. So you, got, you have restaurants and you have retail stores that um, – it wouldn't be there. You know, I think we had a good view during COVID what uh, our economy looks like without uh, cruise ship visitation. Uh, it's not like that was a great experience. No, I mean, I, I managed to avoid that. I wasn't even in, in Juneau at the time. I spent a, a decent bit of COVID overseas and then I came back and then spent time in Anchorage. And then really my only time in Juneau with COVID was kind of sort of toward the end of all the lockdown like I was here when the vaccine started coming out and so I didn't really get to see too much of that but I definitely remember hearing it from a lot of the folks that I know that still lived in town at the time that it was it was pretty rough yeah I spent a decent amount of COVID on zoom uh not <laughs> so uh yeah it was it was it was just really different so um you know you had a lot of retail businesses that never opened or tour operators that never opened or um people that used to come here seasonally including you know some of our our young people you know didn't come back to town to work um uh you know it was a very different experience and uh you know i don't think anybody wants to see uh 
something like COVID again. I certainly don't. No, I, I would imagine nobody wants to see that again. I got I got robbed out of being overseas because of COVID. So I'd rather not see any of that again, uh, for sure. Then I think personally, I've always found it very interesting, mostly because I'm not here during in the summer a lot of the time in June. I will be this year, which will be a very interesting experience personally. But it's interesting for me to see all those businesses that just don't open until the summer and just seeing... So I guess I'd be curious, how does that affect us economically? Because you only have businesses open during that time frame. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. Like, you know, like, you know, obviously the year round economy would be best for, you know, vibrancy of the town. Um, and, and but that's not the case. You know, we, we do have a number of businesses downtown, particularly, you know, I'm going to say from the red dog up that do make a real solid effort to stay open. Uh, so we, we, you know, we're always encouraging people to come downtown uh, in the off season to patronize those businesses because, you know, they are they are trying. It's not the money time of year. Um, it would be easier probably for some of them to just throw it in for the winter, but that's not good for for downtown. Um, so you know, I, I always encourage people to support the businesses um, that do stay open year round, and you know, but obviously some sectors of uh, the market that. Uh, uh, rely on cruise ship tourism, you know, they're not going to be open uh, in the winter, like the jewelry shops. That's just not, you know. It's not viable for them. It's not viable. Yeah. I was going to say, because I even noticed that I went into downtown yesterday just because I wanted to go walk around, get some food, kind of that sort of thing. And it's, it's when it's not tourism season, it's just dead down there. Even though you have the legislature in session, there's just nobody around. In many ways, it's kind of a, I find it's kind of an uneasy feeling. You're like, there's no one here. Ah, oh, it's not that bad downtown. Maybe maybe that's my uh, having grown up in Anchorage and there being a lot of people around, even though I'm not a huge fan of people, but I'm also like, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that we've, you know, we're always trying to uh, work on is figure out how to get more housing downtown, um, you know, because I think that's one of the things that's happened over the years is we've lost a lot of housing units. So buildings that previously were apartments, maybe they're old, need renovations. Um, they've ceased to be apartments or spaces have converted into other uses. Um, so for a, for a vibrant downtown, we really hope to uh, figure out how to get some housing projects. And we've been doing all kinds of things on that front. Uh, you know, we've got tax abatement um, uh, on the books for uh, multifamily units uh, downtown. We've got a housing grant program. Um, the state is uh, in the process of conveying the Telephone Hill properties to us. So, we're, you know, we're trying really hard to figure out how to get some housing projects downtown, which I, I think is the best thing we can do. All right. Well, we'll talk more on that. We're going to have a quick ad break and then we will be all right back me is city manager Rory Watt. Now we were talking about housing projects downtown. Yeah. So we, uh, I think we left off, uh, we were talking about Telephone Hill. So the knob of property near the state office building. Yes. Um, yeah. Long, long story on that. But That's what I've been hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So like the short story is uh, the city and the state jointly acquired it. Oh gosh. Like almost 40 years ago for new state capital. Um, that new state capitol building never got built, but we've, we've helped and worked with the state uh, add on to the capitol campus in all sorts of ways. Um, so we, we kind of have a campus. So that property no longer was necessary for 
new capital building and the state is giving it to us for you know economic development purposes some of which for sure are housing so we're going to uh, get a title to that property i think in the next couple of weeks um, and we've got a planning process uh, on how to uh, manage that so that's uh that's a definitely a hot municipal topic. Oh, I'm sure. Are there any are there any early plans about what to do with that property? Or? Well, so so there's uh, there's uh, seven buildings up there. They're old, and there are people living in them that have been living in them month to month for basically a long time. Some of them have been since the '80s. Some of them uh, newer. So you know, you know, the presumption is is that we're going to have a redevelopment plan, um, and you know, kind of take the knob off the hill uh, and have some uh, very uh, densely zoned property available. We're looking for uh, developers to create housing units. Um, We haven't decided that, um, but it seems likely. Um, But, you know, in in a dutiful municipal way, we're going to have a, you know, planning process and take public comment. So that's going to be happening over the next couple months. Gotcha. It'll definitely be interesting to see where that that project goes for sure. Yeah, we've uh, you know with regard to the the capital, um, the community Juno you know, Community Foundation working with Legislative Affairs acquired the Assembly Building, uh, which is uh, uh, across the street, corner wise from the Capitol Building, and that's going to turn into some thirty units of housing for the legislature. So that's really helpful. Uh, for our housing stock and really helpful for the legislature. And I think we're just kind of at the um, point in time where we need to be really creative in what we do and how we get some housing projects going. I mean, it's a huge need for the community. Yeah, no, I know that, I know housing even just generally has always been a big issue for Juno. I know when I was getting ready to move back down here, it took me a while to even find an apartment. And even at that, the, the landlords themselves had to reach out to me in order for me to gain any information about it yeah yeah no it's it's hard so so when uh you know people are trying to move to juno or employers are looking for employees you know and they're like okay great uh yeah i'd like to move to juno and maybe look at what's on the market to buy or what's on the on the market to rent you know oftentimes and depending on the time of year the answer is not very much uh so i think i think it hurts us in lots of ways um, and it's really expensive. It takes a large percentage of people's earned wages to afford housing in Juneau, and that, that's a problem for the community. Definitely. I mean, I know, I mean, I feel like I'm definitely part of that generation where, like, we've kind of just come to this point where we've accepted it's like, we're probably just going to have to rent for forever, and we're probably not going to get to own anything because everything just costs so much. I hope not forever. I mean, I think we, you know, one of the things that we have in Juneau is we have uh, – you know, an aging population, we've got some demographic trends. Um, So, you know, we have seniors um, that, you know, we've run some statistics with the Economic Development Council, and we have an increasing number of seniors living alone. You know, kind of what that means is fewer people per housing unit. Um, You know, that's, so, so that's an issue. It's great that the seniors are staying in the community. Um, but you know, we also sort of have to acknowledge that's like, oh, okay, well, we've got less people in the houses that we have. Right. Um, you know, and then we also see changes in the housing market from, uh, vacation rentals, Airbnb or Verbo or, or whatever, you know, so, so houses that, that, uh, could be, um, you know, available for sale for somebody to purchase as a home or rent, um, are being used for visitors. 
So, you know, dynamic, complicated situation. Definitely. And then you combine that with the fact that, you know, we're on the Tonga, so you can't really do a lot of new development either. You can't build anything new because it's a lot of it's protected. I mean, and as it should be, but it still presents us with that other problem that you can't build anything new, though. Yeah, I mean, I think with the, the issue that we have in Juno is, is uh, we don't have easily developable land, right? So think about flat communities down south. I mean, just... You know, getting a flat piece of land is not hard in lots of places, but here, the developable land we have, it's it just costs a lot of money to develop. Yeah, it's I mean, it's already difficult. You're working in, you know, it's a, well, a it's a very wet environment, so you have to factor in if there is even if you find the flat ground, is it solid enough to build on? That's step one, and then finding enough of it to build on, making sure that you're allowed to build on it, and it's. You have all these additional steps that you might not have in other places to consider. Yeah, true enough. So, and you know, one of the things that since we have a limited uh, land availability, what we really want is denser building. You know, but denser building can come with higher costs. Um, you know, so you, it might be easier to plunk a house down on a large parcel and not invest a lot of money in it, but that's not a good use of the land. So that's that's something we struggle with is. Uh, how to encourage or facilitate or support developers to do denser housing. And that's why we did the tax abatement ordinance. So right now, if a uh, developer builds a multi-unit um, building, um, they get a property tax credit for, I think it's 12 years. Okay. I mean, that would de- yeah, I could see how that would encourage you know further development. In a lot of ways, I feel like if you were to do denser housing, especially in somewhere like downtown, it would make a, I've had a very offhand joke for lots of years that downtown gives off a mini San Francisco vibe with how it's tried to sort of be developed and how it's structured. I feel like if you had denser housing there, that would become less of a joke and more of an actual reality, at least for down there. Yeah, well, downtown, I mean, if we can get some uh, apartment buildings built, I mean, it's, you know, walkable, you know, it's cute friendly uh place to be so yeah we really hope to do that yeah we can be friendly i mean it's got too many one ways but that's just that's just my opinion (laughs) on that part of it well they're not one way if you're walking yeah if you're walking but then you gotta factor in there's some people who might live in downtown that gotta work out in the valley and then you're stuck with all these one-way roads and you're trying to get out of downtown and then you get looped around yeah well that's uh you know our legacy as a mining town downtown was laid out in 1900 with narrow narrow streets which is why i give it the mini san francisco joke because it's the (laughs) same kind of like hilly layout yeah but well moving back on past housing developments although i do think that was a very good conversation what else do we got what else we're looking at well, we've got our finance uh, committee kind of meets on March 1st, and we've got some uh, meaty topics. So we're going to talk about the municipal audit. You know, so every year we have uh, independent auditors look over our shoulders and report to the assembly um, <clears throat> on the administration of the budget. So that'll be a detailed look. Um, we've got the school district coming in asking for additional funding. So school funding is always a complicated topic. Uh, the legislature is kicking that around. Nobody really knows what the legislature will do, and the school district has to prepare a budget, um, submit it to the city uh, by April 1st, and make a request of funding from the assembly. I think they have to assume that there's not an increase in the base student allocation. I mean, the the legislature is talking a lot about it, but um, 
you know, I think the school district has to make a request based in the reality of the day until they pass new legislation. Um, and we have a request uh, for uh, $2.5 million for last fiscal year. So those of us that have been, or those uh, listeners that have been tracking, uh, the school district uh, ran themselves into a hole last year. So there's going to be a request for $2.5 million to fill that hole. Um, so it should be an interesting conversation between the assembly and the school district. Yeah, and that'll be interesting to see how that develops. Uh, I've Throughout the last you know week, week or two, I've talked to a lot of different folks about education and the school board and school district and just seeing how we can develop that because and this is something I've talked about a lot, that education can be a very good equalizer. And so you want to make sure that you can have that funding for the schools. But if it's also you find it in a position where it's not financially viable, what are you supposed to do? Well, you know, at the at the municipal level, uh, we're limited. So the assembly can is required to provide a minimum level of support um, and is only allowed to fund to a maximum level. It's kind of an equity issue across the state. So historically, uh, the Juno Assembly has funded to the cap. Um, so I, don't, I expect this assembly to do the same thing. Um, and then the school board and school administration has to sort out how to allocate um, the funds that they get from the city and the state to provide the best educational program possible. Um, but because the state has kept funding flat, um, you know, they've atrophied in their economic ability to do things for the kids. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that, that develops. We've got around a, about a minute or so here. So what else do you have to talk about quickly before we get ready to wrap up? Um, you know, I think uh, garbage has been kind of a hot topic lately with the landfill changing the rules. So, you know, we ask people to just have patience and kind of adapt to that changing reality. Um, I think that, that's a big topic. You know, we're, we're always doing all kinds of things. Um, at the city to try and make things work better. We had a board consolidation the other night that the assembly was debating. Uh, so we're headed for a public hearing um, on the 27th about consolidating some of our recreational boards. We haven't been able to get quorums. Um, so that's up. Um, lots of issues. I mean, it's, uh, you know, plenty, plenty of issues by the day at the city. Definitely. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming in. I very much appreciate it. I'm sure we'll have many more things to discuss the next time around that I have you come around. Yeah, and I'm uh, happy that uh, pitchers and catchers reported the spring training. Baseball is going to be here soon, and I'm always very excited about that. Oh, I'm sure that baseball will develop interestingly, although I'm afraid I am not a big baseball guy. That's going to do it for Action Line today. This has been your host, Jordan Lewis.